Finding this podcast magical? Why not toss a coin to your Witches and a Druid podcast through the Acast supporter feature? It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to show your support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Three Witches and a Druid Podcast. Canadian podcast about paganism in today's modern society. And now, Three Witches and a Druid Podcast present Luke Arbogast.
Hello, and welcome back to Three Witches and a Druid, where we are enjoying our sangria, our celebration sangria again. <laughs> so that might make us a little more verbose, I suppose. I am Margo. And I am Maeve. Gwen. Lawrence. And I'm Brian. So I'm not going to have much to contribute to this one because I've never been to church. That is incredible. Yeah, I can't I, imagine dispatching. Yeah, I, not, my parents, a, not a wedding. No, no, I've been to like church, but like I never went to a church ceremony. Okay, okay. church. Okay. It wasn't part of our like I was yeah. ever baptized. Uh, I think my parents maybe sent us to Sunday school once or twice and said, "Was that for you?" And we're like, "Nah." <laughs> we so you've been went. for hatching, matching, dispatching. I don't know what that means. Hatching means christenings. Matching, weddings. Never been to dis- a christening. Dispatching, funerals. Yeah, I've been to funerals and weddings. Okay. But in, in most of the time, those are usually in a professional sense. Mm-hmm. Right, yes. Because yeah. I've, I've been to a lot of funerals at PEI, but they're never in churches. They're okay, in homes, well, yeah, yeah, so not really a church. I mean, I grew up in a, quite a staunch Catholic family where we went to church every Sunday, Sunday school, once a week from kindergarten to grade nine. I was confirmed. I think I might have been eight or nine years old, which was way too young <coughs> for making that decision. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I had absolutely no, I, I just knew it meant I got to wear my first communion dress again. Which but, are beautiful. Let yes. me say, as a Protestant I, girl, we were so jealous of the Catholic girls and their, and their wonderful first wardrobes. first communion dress to reign as a dress-up dress, to play yeah. dress-up in. <laughs> <laughs> I kept the veil because it had a receipt with yeah. my dad's name on it. <gasps> yeah, well, so I kept that. But I can tell you nothing. Well, you, nothing. you would have had a second communion when you were a teenager if you'd have kept going. That's how they do it. They have their really? first communion. Then well, they have there's a first one, yeah. communion, but then there's a confirmation. Which is years but, later. Yeah, yeah, no, I had a first communion. Oh, this sounds also complicated. <laughs> when I was like six or seven. Yeah. And then the confirmation when I was you eight or nine. just want to kill a goat. Oh, yeah. 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 I, guess, I guess it just yeah. depends on the parish when they yeah. do it. I'm a baptized and confirmed <laughs> Anglican. Mm-hmm. And I always I teased to my parents. I said, you promised when you baptized me that you would raise me as a good Christian girl. You're going to hell. I say I've never been to church. And that, I, I still stick to that. Like on Christmas Eve night, I would walk down to St. Paul's Church in Charlottetown mm-hmm. and St. Dunstan's Basilica because they were just stunningly beautiful buildings. Mm-hmm. And, I was and just so like, were you standing looking in the window like well, the tarot the five of yeah. pentacles card? You're just outside staring at a the five of pentacles. <laughs> the five of pentacles. I can just see Brian. Looking <laughs> like no, a homeless wave. No, not quite like that. I felt more like an 80s movie where like the old guy oh. walks up to the church, but I'm not quite accepted, so I'm going to enjoy like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no, I, I think both of those places were quite beautiful. But yeah, no, we, we, uh, my family was not religious in yeah. any way. Now it's funny we talk say I say that because that is a very heated topic for the next episode, which I will maybe rant on quite a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to hear that rant. I'm like Maeve, I and not because your mother goes to church. When I was a child, my my parents did not go to church. And they probably wouldn't like this term, but they were spiritual, not religious. And my dad was very, my dad's very animistic and pantheistic. But we were made to go to church. We were made to go to church because they felt it was, it was an academic exercise in that 
a lot of our culture is based on those stories, those myths, mm -hmm. and those ideals. Mm -hmm. So we went in our little rural community, it was a United Church, and we went to that United Church. And so the way it was organized was you would go in the morning to the church service and you would spend about 15 minutes with the adults, with the congregation, and then all the children would leave. I was the oldest, so I had to play um, shepherd over all the all my siblings. And then we would leave and go to our various Sunday school mm -hmm. classes. And then I taught Sunday school and I was confirmed in the church. And I, and it's really funny as an adult, when I met my pagan community, I would have been in my 30s. I was practicing once I found, same as you, Maeve, and thought I was all by myself and mm -hmm. read my books. And, and then when I came to Halifax and met a community and they were like, oh, I didn't go and I wasn't this and I wasn't that. And I'm like, I was searching for divinity and that oh. was the only way mm -hmm. where to get that it. That was the only way I could see it. I knew old myths. I knew old stories. I loved history, mm -hmm. but I didn't know any other way. No, me neither. And I, I searched, I was in. When I was in, you know, like late teens, early twenties living here in Halifax, I looked in. Oh, and all the different denominations I've been in, synagogues, I've been, exactly. I was always something in there. That, yeah. that was driving yeah. me forward. Always. So I am not, you know, some people either hide that in the pagan community, they either hide that or they use that or they're genuinely wounded by their Christian experience mm -hmm. for, for specific reasons, not maybe Christianity overall or possibly Christianity overall or the application of that. I never was. It was a very good experience. It was very good about community building because it was a small community and it was sort of an anchor for that community, that rural community. And it filled that hole, that need for divinity. I knew it wasn't for me. I wasn't, knew it wasn't right. And I was, was continually yeah. looking, which moved yeah. me along. But um, I'm not embarrassed or ashamed by that. I cop to that when everybody says, oh, I've never done that or been there or whatever. Yeah, 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 for sure. No, I understand completely. That's how I grew up as well. Um, I was within a Catholic family as well, but they were more casual. However, we did go to church quite regularly when I was a child. I did my communion and my confirmation at nine years old and yes. not knowing what was going to happen, yeah. right? You know, I did always feel that search for divinity as well. Like in mm -hmm. service, I'd like actually listen to what the priest mm -hmm. was saying. I'd take in the sense of the candles and like I felt like I was present but mm -hmm. something still felt askew something felt a bit off like I didn't know what at the time and I started my pagan journey like as a teenager like at 17 and that's where I like vehemently went like no church like I really like disconnected from it like a lot yeah I and then I went back to it as I realized mm. that you know it's not all bad. Like I, I can make space for myself within the church mm -hmm. without being. And the that church has a, an incredible amount of mm -hmm. self awareness in it the does. church. I'm going to cry because okay. I even, space. of course, after the accident, mm -hmm. went through a whole period where I had no use for God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even coming into paganism, it took me years mm -hmm. to accept. A male aspect of divinity mm -hmm. because it, you because I was so angry yeah. and so traumatized yeah that I just completely cut myself off from the idea of this you know male mm -hmm. god figure and how could he let something like this happen now and just through years of working with 
people and groups and being open to divinity, I've been able to once again accept that the male aspect of a divinity is just as important as the female. They need to be balanced. They need to be there together. Right. right. And to honor that and accept that. But that was a long, long journey for me and, as and, well. You know, 50 years ago, when you were going to Sunday school, it was like God controls everything. That yes. was what we were taught way back yeah. then, you know, in high Anglican and Catholic and, and you know, possibly I others. I never is, remember so the different. feeling of church or God as being a place of safety and comfort. Oh. It was always some place that we were forced to go against our will. Right. I even, like for saying my father was the most compassionate person on the face of the planet, I remember him dragging me to confession on Christmas Eve, that if I did not go to confession, Santa would not come. Right. And being, you know, six and seven years old thinking, what the heck do I have to confess? Yeah, you know, yeah. like I hit my sister, you know, yeah. like I, it yeah. was just, it was, I just found it traumatizing yeah. that mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. So I never did find or ever felt that comfort, mm -hmm. that protection, that compassion. So I'm always really happy to hear other people have those kinds of stories. Right. That that is out there that people do experience that mm -hmm. and that perhaps my view and possibly even my memories mm -hmm. as well are not the norm. Yeah. For most people. No. A lot of the time in church I enjoyed a lot of it was the ceremony of it. Yes. What it was, what the they ritual. were doing, a lot of it just went over my head, but I enjoyed the ritual. I would pay attention during the communion because I enjoyed the ritual. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the big gold colored cross with the choir marching in behind. I was in the church choir when I was a young teenager. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know where I found inspiration when I did go to church was in the windows. Oh, mm. To me, church was stained glass window. I didn't pay attention to hardly a thing that was going on, except when the communion was on. And I'm 13 years old and I got to sip wine. I thought that was mighty good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, the windows, for many of you out there, do not know me, but I am very, very attracted to color. Mm -hmm. Bright colors, a lot of color. So the windows to me were, were very mesmerizing. This is That's interesting. The windows. The if color. I can be a little personal, because we've worked in group work before, mm -hmm. and you've mm -hmm. often said of, that you felt you were, to use the metaphor, too left brain and too analytical, and too you were focused on the, the research and the thoughts and the theology and those sorts of things. But your early years within the Christian church, you were zoning out to color and you were you were getting into a meditative state while other things were going around yeah. you and that, that, that thing didn't yeah. matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Very it was. Cool. It was the color it was the windows mm -hmm. that did it for me. And I am old enough, as is maybe not Brian, but the rest Definitely of the I'm not that young. <laughs> <laughs> but because I grew up very rurally and you yeah. grew up very rurally and all of that. 
it was Lord's Prayer in school. Yes. We had Bible oh. stories every day in school. Yeah. I don't know if they were doing that by your day. Oh, no, not in school. <laughs> no, in school we had, oh, no, we yes. had Bible stories well, every day. I have to say, my father was the school principal, and being a little bit of a rebel, they were supposed to do Bible stories, and he, you know, that was the thing, that the announcements came on. You did the, as I got a little older, it was the pledge, mm-hmm. the Canadian pledge. I can't remember the right term for it and there was um, supposed to be Bible stories or, or reading of some sort and this is this little rural community that would have been 99.95% Christian right in the middle of the boonies he's like I'm doing every religion so he did a reading from all different you know he would read from the Baghdad Gita he would read from the the Quran he would read from whatever but <laughs> when I transitioned to high school it was a different principle right and, it, yeah. and, and then and then there was back to Bible stories <laughs> yeah yeah but e- even old the old churches like the little community church where my mother grew up the little community church in this little place called Blue Rocks on the South Shore mm. And they're just these beautiful little, all the old wood. It's the smell. Yes. <laughs> too. It's that old wood smell. You go in and it's like, oh my, and the colors and the old wood and the smell. Yeah. And, and for, for me, saying, that's big. like my dream, if I can't have A, a ruined castle in Scotland or B, the round house. Yes. Here in Halifax. My C is a church, an yeah. old church, yeah. that I would absolutely buy an old church, mm-hmm. find some land to put it on, and convert it into a living space. A living space. That's that a big thing right now. Yeah. 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 Well, a lot of them are. You, you see them a lot of the time. Well, they're very, they're uh, very affordable because yeah. they're yeah. terribly hard to and maintain. And I like the idea, too, with like the old tiny town churches with the old wood smell, the fact that people have been coming there for centuries to say their grief, their prayer, their... The magic is overlaid over years. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I agree. When I was in that that place I was mentioning that has the art gallery in the front and the musical venue in the Mm -hmm. back, I remember sitting there and I was there for... It was my first meet meet concert since COVID. It was like last summer. And we were in and... You didn't even, there was, the pews were gone. They had chairs and coaches and this was wonderful. And I remember sitting there thinking, this church is over, oh, well over a hundred years old. Mm -hmm. And I sat there and thought, how many girls walked up the aisle to be Mm -hmm. married? How many people cried here at funerals? How many babies came through here? Mm -hmm. And you're really thinking about that. And you think it's probably hundreds and hundreds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And it, as you say, it's it's in there. It's, it's the sanctity yeah. is still there. The feeling. Like my mother went to the Magdalene Islands for a tour and she loved my great grandmother, which is her grandmother. Like she would hang out with her like every lunchtime. They were best friends. And when she passed away, she took it a bit hard. So she went to see the Magdalene Islands where her grandmother grew up and she went to her little community church by the seaside and she sat in the same pew that her grandmother did. Oh, the family pew. Yeah, the family pew. And she just cried. (laughs) It was beautiful to see. It's always been a bit of a dream. Like we talk a lot about buying land for the pagan community. Would be to yeah, would be to find a a decommissioned church. Mm -hmm. And I don't want it like no one's looking to destroy or tear down the church. No, just to repurpose it for 
community. That would be yeah. great. Yeah. So, like, down the road from where we're sitting now is a repurposed little tiny church, mm-hmm. which has mm-hmm. become a Buddhist, Buddhist meditation yeah, center. Yeah, it's yes. a beautiful little spot. It's super cute. It's yeah. super respectful he, to the spot. He's actually, I work with him. He oh, also works in the prison. Yeah, it's yeah, a beautiful little the Buddhist spot. There. I've been there for some of the yeah. they had these I'm surprised that statue hasn't been uh, desecrated, but it's a beautiful statue. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. And I did see that come up and thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice? But it was a little too pricey for us and yeah. not enough land. We couldn't yeah, have yeah, no, yeah. No, We need yeah. enough land for camping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It we, would be really we need a little old church. And well, the place that I, I, the woman hasn't gotten back to me. I was talking about Gibson Lake, that St. Anne's camp. Yeah. You are driving mile two, three into the woods on a dirt road. All of a sudden, there's a church with a little cemetery because way back when there was a logging community back there yeah and we the first time we drove up there take my daughter to camp my father stopped the car and we went what the heck is is (laughs) it was and there was nothing anywhere it's like man wouldn't i love to have that place but it wasn't a house it was not you know, decommissioned. Right, right. But these things happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm always fascinated when it comes to, like, graveyard cemeteries. Oh, I love it all. Yes, yes, yes. Again, it's that overlay of of emotion and sacred action that makes these places magnets for me. I know. It's my retirement dream to take care of a graveyard. (laughs) (laughs) There's a really big movement right now on social media, mostly Facebook, about saving abandoned cemeteries. Abandoned cemeteries? Yeah. I had to go off of that site. I was on it for ages because the fella, and he also does abandoned roads of Nova Scotia. Yes. When he would go in and clean up these cemeteries where nobody... Whoever knew those people or even left alive, I would get so upset. Mm-hmm. These abandoned cemeteries. Well, we were, like, these weren't were you with us people? when we went to see Linda that time in Sydney? I was not. I oh, you go. weren't? Because we were did the same. We, and we went. We found some, someone. I can't remember who it was who knew of this little cemetery in the middle of nowhere. We went to a couple. Yeah. So, yeah. so yes, when you have a terminal cancer patient friend, what you want to do is it's take her on a tour yeah. of the cemetery. Do you want to go in this one? Or do you yeah. want to go in this one? Yeah. I, I, she I had, had a great to, time, I, I swear. I had to give it up because some of these little abandoned cemeteries, no one's been to their grave in a hundred <coughs> years. I and I felt so horrible and so upset. I'm crying, looking at it, going, I got to get off this way. I got to get that, off this stage. That's, that's something I really hoped uh, I can organize the Grove to go do, is find find one and sort of adopted adopt it. in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I would be first-handed that. I can't yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't have to be crazy. Just mow the lawn, pick up sticks, Different. get rid of dead, dead fall, that sort of thing. Yeah. Have you got, like... Have you guys ever heard of Dead in Halifax? No. No, it's not. So Dead in Halifax is a social media account, and I know uh, Craig Ferguson. He's an amazing man. Mm -hmm. He goes around uh, Halifax, and he finds old tombstones, and he he does the research and the history about who's buried there. Oh, Neo. Yeah, he posts. I'll I'll link it in the show notes. But yeah, he does a lot of stuff in Camp Hill Cemetery. (gasps) Yeah. I live right in front of that. You do. I, at this point, am unable to enter downtown Halifax without walking through Camp Hill Cemetery. I get off on the bus on Roby, walk through Camp Hill, 
and I feel yep. better. Yeah. Uh, not oh. better, but like more yes. connected with the world around yes. me. It really is. Even the same with going home. I have to exit through Camp Hill Cemetery. Same. I do not understand anyone who would walk down Spring Garden or walk in front of <laughs> Camp Hill Memorial Hospital when you can walk through such a beautiful place. It is yes, a beautiful place. Yes. There's so many huge trees. It blocks mm. out all traffic noise. Yeah. It is yes. wonderful. It's wonderful. For such a small cemetery, it's a beautiful feat. Yeah. The, the corner of Barrington and Spring Garden, there's another real yeah. old cemetery. The old burying grounds. Yeah, the old burying grounds. And let me tell you, if you go, I went, was on one of these ghost walks once, years and years and years ago. And the guy was going through looking at the the, the, the headstones and this mm-hmm. and that and some famous people who had a story behind them. And I went back and went looking through. And it's a, it's a very interesting social history. Mm-hmm. Like one tombstone had a child died every second year. Yeah. For like seven years in a row and they're all buried there and the whole were they a comfort a consort or a relic yeah. often on the old gray because a comfort was a wife who died way before the husband comfort mm-hmm. of and they say their husband a consort was consort of was someone who died around the same time as their husband and their relic of was somebody? someone who died well after and just some of this and it says this person was murdered this one died of typhoid this one we died don't, of this we don't put those kinds no. of details on, and, on tombstones anymore well, and, and it's don't less interesting put those details in obituaries either that, that's like, exactly my, again we're, sep- we're veering into no it's by step, church so. graveyards and churches it's all the same <laughs> that's true yeah. it's we're a sacred just, space we're yeah. just so disconnected from death yeah, we are. In the Western world. And the past. And yes. it is infuriating, too, because during my French-Canadian spiritual research, All Souls Day, the Day of the Dead, that was yes. a thing for our culture as well. People mm-hmm. would spend the whole day in the cemetery just hanging mm-hmm. out with their loved one's grave. You were not able to go outside on the Day of the Dead so that you give space to those who are left on that in-between plane. Like... Mm-hmm. It was very intensive, and I was like, "Where did that love for those who've passed on go?" Yes, yes. It, it, we are very various cultures do still have it. Obviously, yeah. uh, Mexicans, Latinos, uh, a lot of Asian cultures have shrines mm-hmm. in their homes yes. for I, I ones who passed uh, on. Cajun as well is that it too, not still too. very it's honored? Very much yeah. a thing. But I yeah. think yeah. the issue as well is that with globalization and Americanization of our yes. media in Canada, yeah. we've yes. lost a lot of our traditional. Yes, essential yeah. core of who we so are. So we and we at home we have a, a sh- our shrine is covered with memorials mm-hmm. of people who passed out. Now we also had some family photos on there, and mm-hmm. some of them were like, uh, is, "Does that mean we're going to die soon?" It's like, no, no, no. It's just people we love. Yeah. But it, it's, it's often a, a shrine of people yeah. like that. We, that like my great grandmother's on there. Uh, wish I had a photo of my great grandfather, mm-hmm. but I don't. Uh, my f- photo of my grandfather, a photo of my mm-hmm. parents. Uh, photo of Karen's father, yeah. like, but this, like, we light a candle at that shrine uh, every single night, and yes. it'll go in as we go to bed because we don't want to burn down the house. Uh-huh. But like, when it comes to Samhain, like, it'll be lit up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we have a ton of candles. Oh yeah, no, there. as a struggling millennial, is only able to rent and not put anything on my walls. I dream of owning a house where I can have a whole wall full of my ancestors. Oh, the, the wall of the dead and full of candles. <laughs> like I am ready. Okay, like, so I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware, but when you put stuff in the wall and when you move out, just fill it with toothpaste. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, just put a little toothpaste in. Yeah, my you'll be good. Kill me. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be moved out. I know. I just my apartment. I have like ornaments hanging from the ceiling. I have yep. art all over the walls. Same. Well, Gwen was 
the property manager of the mm-hmm. building when I was going to say, you, li- you live in... Pagan. It was pa- Pagan. It used to be Pagan Central. It yeah. was. It's, it was yeah. for a long time. 150 units and many, many high percentage were Pagans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when, you know, yeah, I don't know the what day. they're going to say when I move out. Well, and, and the colors were amazing because I always felt I wanted it to be home. So... Throw away the beige and the yeah. grays. Yeah, she rented. gave me the whole. Yeah, she gave me the whole book of mm-hmm. colors, so I was able to choose again magnificent colors for my walls. Fuchsia and, and coral and turquoise and yeah, yeah. Are, are you still a landlord? I am no. <laughs> I'm not a about ancestors is we we also I find very very Canadian North American well maybe not all North American U.S. Canadian thing we've sanitized grief a lot mm-hmm. very oh, yeah. everyone has very to be so great. maybe it's that stiff we'll upper we'll yeah. get on to the next yeah. topic okay so churches my great my great granny was a wonderful Christian kind loving woman and as big a witch as ever walked the earth oh yes oh yeah absolutely mm-hmm. she did all the folk magic yes. well, and that's, folk why, magic. that's why I'm always so fascinated when it is in our previous episode we talked about Acadians because Acadians like like you said your book your book is not going to come through a lens of a neo-pagan but that doesn't matter it's still there like the touch it's is the information yeah. And, yeah. and inspiration mm-hmm. and history to draw upon and the great and- the great thing that I've always loved about paganism is that while it's polytheist is you still need to believe in Jesus and the gods and the God and the saints it's just there's, a you polytheist have, can believe in a Yahweh and Jesus. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. That's right. It, it's sure. the understanding that, like, to believe in one, you have to believe in them all. Like, there is no... Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, while your book, obviously, is not through a neo-pagan lens, it still applies. Oh, I just yeah. had a gift, Brian. It's for everybody. You did? Yeah. Are you okay? I mean, it's not like... A piff is not an epiphany. Oh, you know, it's it's verging on epiphany. So it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> it never occurred to me before that to believe in Celtic or Greco-Roman or you know Hindu or any other pantheon of gods and goddesses that one must also accept Christian God. That just freaking occurred to me. Really? Well, yes. No, I mean, I'm, always... I'm a huge supporter of Jesus. He sounds like oh, a great yeah. guy. Oh, he sounds. Now, I've always thought he sounded like a great his dude. His followers. That's a little yeah. different. Yeah. I always is... thought he sounded like an amazing dude. Didn't necessarily know if I believed he was the son of God. Yeah. But an he was amazing, a amazing person. Well, there was he's a deified <laughs> human. Lord, and he Lord, Lawrence, Lawrence has got hilarious about this whole little conversation, a moment that we're having, is that I remember specifically, very vividly coming down to the kitchen in one of my ex's houses one time when I was 17 and brand pagan, brand new pagan, just wanted to reject the church. It was, I had a very religious, for lack of a better term, mother-in-law, um, and she gave me a huge spiel on how I should see Jesus through the moon and like all that jazz, right? Oh. Look at me now! <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes. <laughs> no! My, well, it's, 
very much like I used to work in the local pagan bookstore for many, many years. And I remember it didn't happen often, but every now and then somebody would come in and sort of look around and then walk up and say, I just want to let you know that I'm going to pray for you, that you will accept Jesus in your life so you won't go to hell and damnation. Should I take you to the section about angels? And she says, I'm going to pray to Jesus for you that this won't happen to you. And my response was, my understanding was always that he was much more forgiving than that. You bet. And then she was kind of like, you know, but... I have, I guess, continued to accept and believe in Jesus, but I truly, like, I'm just blown away that it never occurred to me that I needed to well, accept the Christian yeah. God. Well, it, it's all around you. Like, even my mother, who is goes to church and all of that, and she makes no bones about it. She'll tell any minister who wants to listen, oh, no, when I'm outside and the trees and the flowers and the, mm-hmm. and, and the grass and nature, that just makes me feel like I'm wrapped in God's arms. Just be like Maria Von Trapp. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, so wonderful. So I see Lawrence here has a very large book of notes. While we four are just sort of like blabbing off from the top of our heads, (laughs) you have obviously come prepared. I have. I have. Because I realized that talking about churches and magic seems so controversial and so contradictory as a topic, right? Like, you'll see a lot of. Christians of that denomination who just splurred out like you can't do magic it, it's not congruent it doesn't work like it's yeah not except compatible. we'll talk in tongues and we'll perform miracles and I mean, we have pray. holy magical potion yeah. water have you been to mass like it's, it's yeah. true the most magically infused ritual I've ever witnessed Absolutely. in my life not to mention that it's interesting too that the catechism of the Catholic Church uh, by Vatican City states that all practices of magic or sorcery, taming of occult powers to place them at one's service, have supernatural power over others, even if it were for the sake of restoring their health, are gravely contrary to the virtue of religion. Explain the saints and explain all the healing miracles that they celebrate every single day. Yeah, and miracles, magic, well, it's just some and relics. Holy wells. Relics. Holy wells. All, if you go to just about any holy well in mm. Europe, anywhere, anywhere, oh, yeah. you will find that before mm. it was Saint who, yeah. Whoever's Well, it was a holy you, place to start with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. It's. Yeah, no, the church is much more magical than they give themselves <coughs> credit for. Yes. And it's very sad to see. I yeah. wish they'd honed it more. Yes. The one and only aura I ever saw on a person was on a priest doing a funeral mass. The one time I've only ever really seen a whole aura once and I saw it on this priest and I sat there, I was in Newfoundland at my grandmother-in-law's funeral and I went, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing in my head? (laughs) It was a priest doing a funeral mass and his aura just blew right out from him. I'm like, look at that. Yeah, and it's beautiful when you see those moments too. It gives you hope. 
Because I know for me, like, I did not have many traumatic experiences with the church at all, but knowing critical thinking, going to university, mm -hmm. and all that fun stuff. I don't like the organization itself, <laughs> of course. They did a lot of horrible, horrid things in the past. It took me a while to work through it, too. But I realized, too, finding a book called The Path of a Christian Witch by Adelina St. Clair. She went through that same journey of healing her religious trauma and finding the divine within church and the comfort within it. That's it's amazing. a great book. I recommend it to everybody. Like, well, and, that, and that's the thing is, is a lot of time when we have those conversations, uh, it's it's never about pagans versus the church or pagans versus yeah. Catholic. There's nothing wrong with the belief mm. of Christianity. Mm -hmm. it, it's the organization. Yeah. It's the people who are put in charge yes. of those systems. That's the problem. Absolutely. And I'm just a guy. I'm not. I'm not here to judge anyone. When your system has as many obvious fuck-ups mm -hmm. <laughs> as the church has over the years and still has all of its followers. They're clearly doing something right while still doing a lot of very wrong things. And yeah, it's, it's like we're not here to judge and we're not here to tell anyone what to do unless you're Mormon. Stop being a Mormon. <laughs> um, Oh my god, have you not, have it's you guys true. not watched yeah. Stay Sweet? I have. Oh, it's so gross. I watched it two days ago. Oh, it's disgusting. I Go watch horrified. it. Is it a Mormon. movie or a no, documentary? It's a, it's a documentary oh, okay. about fundamentalist Mormons down in the States and Utah. Oh, yeah. Gross, gross, gross. Anyway, not to go on. Eh, that's going to be a whole other topic. It's just being ranting into the microphone about Mormons right now. Anyway, <laughs> the, clearly, they, the church just does a lot of great things, but at the same time, it does a lot of, lot of, lot of great things. That, that's changing a lot. It is, of it course. Is, it's public perception, and so our society is evolving and changing mm -hmm. and realizing, mm -hmm. oh, Thank wait. goodness. Thank yeah. goodness. Well, hope, hopefully, as we watch as... United States becomes borderline crazy. Yeah. They're already crazy. We're talking about their nuts. A theocracy. theocracy. Yeah. I'm sorry to our American listeners. I'm sure you're fantastic. Yeah, no, you're, you're all welcome to come up here. Really, but a bit, but you know, and you a lot can't of find the time, a house, but you can come here. Yeah, it's it's not the it's not the general populace. No, it's the people who who have the power. Yeah. yeah. That use things for power. And that's that the great problem. thing about paganism is that none of us have power to do anything. <laughs> yeah. None of us control any of So we can I, be nothing but self-righteous. Yeah. Because I, we're not I, tempted I, ever. <laughs> I always love listening to any podcast that tries to touch upon paganism. And they're like, oh, wait, they're just a bunch of stray cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? what? It was very odd. I grew up with critical thinking in my home. <clears throat> Yes, but my mother had more firm religious beliefs and it was like, well, the will of God kind of idea. But that is one thing about being a pagan and for good or for ill, I will, you know, sit to my sit down and say to my deity, what the ever love in hell? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? And maybe you're not supposed to. I suppose in Roman times or Celtic times, you didn't <laughs> I say that. No, no. It, it, um, the nice thing about paganism is all of our gods are incredibly fallible. And we tell mm -hmm. stories over and over and over about, about how many their times. Fallibility. Yeah, fallibility. About how many times they fuck up. Yeah, like, and that's kind of the lesson that we're supposed to take away. Is like, maybe if you uh, didn't go fuck a whole bunch of women and have all these undocumented children, you wouldn't have so many problems like Zeus. 
Have you ever considered not becoming a goose and trying to have sex with women? Yeah, or, a bowl, your, or a bowl. Or, or a, a shower of gold. Yeah. <laughs> These are various things that you can do as a person. And <laughs> <laughs> also part, I think, the fact that since they are so fallible, perhaps we can take away from that not to judge ourselves so harshly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they can screw up that badly, surely to goodness, I'm doing all right. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It, it, like in the church, you have God who's infallible, but you have Jesus and he was tempted by everything. Yeah, well, he made mistakes. He clearly trusted yeah. some of the wrong people. Yeah. I do know that a fellow I went to school with, he became a minister in the military and he was the minister at my parents' church because they were at, a, at the military church at the time. And he actually, my mother came, my mother phoned me on the phone afterwards and said, you're not going to believe what Derek said today. And she loved it. And he, he, he started talking about you know, everything, the will of God, everything is in control of God is in control of everything. And we're going, why did God allow this to happen? Why did God allow that to happen? You know, this one died, this flood, this whatever. He says, God's got nothing to do with that. He says, but God will give you the strength to get through. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, and I thought, God he's said, not, what? <laughs> God is not in the, uh, in the action. God is in the reaction sort yes, of thing. God yes. is how you handle so, it. So as much as I <coughs> say here that I might go to one, you know, one of my deities and go, what the ever love in hell was that? <laughs> I can still, okay, lend me your strength. Mm-hmm. You know, let me feel your love so I'm not so sad or I can get through yeah. this at this time. So it's very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Even though now I, sometimes I wonder, am I going to get smited for, you know, going, what did, why did that happen? <laughs> if I was going to be smited, I would have been smited it's, a very it's long so time ago. Long ago. <laughs> the oh, smiting would have happened. So, in your mystical book of notes, <laughs> do you have anything else you want to leave us on? Well, I mean, the thing too is you'll have a lot of debates on the Bible and how to interpret it and how the world should be. I personally have a very beautiful Bible that I have bought myself for $60 because it was so gorgeous as a cover. And they have margins in there. And what I do is I read the Bible intently. I think, what does this passage mean to me? How have Mm -hmm. theologians interpreted it? See a magical little tidbit happening. I note it down and I make a spell for it. So, for example, I was reading the Joseph King of Dreams story arc that they had. And they were talking about the silver chalice that was put in the grain bags of the brothers to frame them. And apparently, Joseph does divine divination work in that chalice. And I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm noting that down. So. When you're not looking for it, yeah. you know, you're reading for other purposes. Mm-hmm. But when you read for that purpose, exactly. it's amazing what's it's in there. amazing. And I don't even need to explain Moses. Like, come on. Like, the man yes. was a magician. Like, I- <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. So magic and Catholicism can't exist and don't let anyone, don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Oh, I, oh absolutely. Just ever. go to a mass or a communion yeah. or whatever and there it is. It's, it's really a- nice. Experience it yourself. It's really nice in Pagan is we have two Bibles. It's called mm-hmm. the Farmer's Almanac yeah. and Scott Han- Cunningham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. You can't go wrong with Scott Cunningham. He was my first book ever. I think yeah. he's a lot of people. Yes. 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 We should do that. We should go 
hotels and just leave various Scott Cunningham books. <laughs> Have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Scott Cunningham? <laughs> <laughs> he will lead you down the path. Uh, Thank you very much, everyone. We're always so grateful that everyone is listening. And I'd like to thank all our Patreons. And if you have any questions... If you have any questions or comments or you have any requests, you can get a hold of us through our Facebook page. And I believe beautiful Margot has something left to say. Yes, once again, we would love it if you went to thecoast.ca and nominated us in the podcast category. Link in the Instagram so that you can find it. Yes, we have an Instagram. <laughs> I think we've had this conversation before, yeah, Jen. I'm, I'm, I'm such a Luddite, man. It's like, yeah, but I wouldn't even know how to use that. Yes, yes, yes it's not comforting to hear. <laughs> we would love for you to nominate us and let them know how much you enjoy our podcast because we certainly enjoy bringing it to you. We, we love Especially it. when there's alcohol involved. We do <laughs> food and alcohol. Maybe by the next one or two, two or three from now, we'll be doing it from the hot tub. <laughs> 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 Three Witches and a Druid Podcast would like to take a moment to thank our amazing Patreon supporters. Today, we shout out to Danny, Tania, Sarah, Lore, Kay, Linda, Jennifer, Highland Horde, and Larry. Without your generous support and contributions, we couldn't bring you this magical content, and we thank you for listening. Well, look, everyone, thank you very much again for tuning in. And until next time, Merry Meet, Merry Part, and Merry Meet Again. Blessed, Blessed be. be. This has been Three Witches and a Druid Podcast. Thanks for listening. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.